Welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast, powered by Kevin Grogan Soccer, Soccer Coffee and much more. Welcome to the show this week. We're delighted to have a great interview with Kelly Conheny. Kelly is a former professional soccer player who played in America and in Sweden and was in the U20 national team camp, um, a quality player. And it's a very, very interesting interview about her playing career, about the stuff she had to deal with with concussion. And then she was very brave to go into detail about an absolutely horrific ordeal that happened to her when she was 13 years of age in relation to an old travel coach who sexually abused her. Um, It's an amazing story. She's a very strong woman and, again, very brave to talk about it. She also has a blog called Over and Over Again by Kelly Conheny. It's definitely worth checking out and reading. And she goes into a bit more detail about what she went through. But after the break, a fantastic interview with Kelly. The Hairdryer Treatment Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rezzel. Rezzel is the market-leading, academically validated VR training and cognitive development tool for elite football and is already installed at world-leading clubs. Rezzel.com Hello, hello. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. How are you? You're welcome. How are you? I'm good. It's, it's raining really hard, so I was just running through puddles to get to my car. <laughs> very good. We, we appreciate your dedication. So, Kelly, let's start with your professional career. You have an amazing career in America for Sky Blue and Houston, and then you went over to Hammerby in Sweden. Tell us a bit about all those experiences playing at that high level. Yeah, so um, I started my career at Sky Blue back in 2015. Um, My journey was a little bit different because I graduated from Virginia Tech, tried to do a fifth year because I was injured my senior year with concussions and I was deemed ineligible to play. So I never got the chance to finish out my my fifth year, my teammates to the final four. Um, And then I took a year off after that. Um, So I was really three three years out of the game when when I went into um, a professional tryout with Sky Blue. I went down to um, New Brunswick to try out, and and they liked me in the in the open tryout, and then they asked me to come into preseason. So came into preseason and earned a contract there, and then um, played my first professional game with Sky Blue um, against Seattle Rain, and and I actually scored in the sixty um, seventh minute. I remember it perfectly, <laughs> but that was really the start wow. of my career, um, and then kind of throughout my career professionally battled concussions a little bit um went to Houston Dash the following year at the end of the season I was kind of in and out of play because of concussions um just post-concussive symptoms are really difficult to deal with and um and not unless you deal with them do you really understand like the symptoms that you go through but but there were a lot of uh just I guess overexertion um injuries that that I was I was playing too hard or you know went up for a header and kind of re-injured myself because I was really prone to it um was was concussion something that happened kind of in your professional days or was something that happened from when you were a younger player yeah it was actually something that happened it was it's called like an accumulative um micro concussions so they're kind of finding out a lot more about concussions now um and they don't 
directly attribute to heading the ball, but they think that that might have something to do with the fact that people are coming to them with all these micro, like smaller concussions and all these like post-concussive symptoms. Um, it wasn't, it was never a big hit, you know, that, that took me out of the game. There were a lot of small ones built up and then not resting after injury. You know, when I was younger, it was like, just get back. You know, you know, back, back when you played, it was like, get back up, you know, you got your bell rung and, and get back up. And I was always, you know, that type of player that was just tough to stick it out. And throughout my entire career had, had no other injuries except like a minor ankle injury um, and literally played through everything. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people can probably relate to that um, at different levels of the game. But um, what I always tell people when I'm talking to them about concussions is, is if you feel injured, if you feel like, okay, that was, you know, a bit more, even if you didn't feel it in the moment, usually those symptoms come after the game because the adrenaline gets you through the end of the game. But then after the game, you're like, okay, I'm feeling groggy, feeling maybe a little bit nauseous, dizzy. I'm just feeling a little bit off. Those were feelings that I felt after, but I kept, you know, the next day I'd have practice and I'd get up and play again. So, um, yeah, that was just something that, that I, that I dealt with and became more, I guess, familiar with the symptoms and smart enough to say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to push this even in my professional career when, when there was more at stake and there was a lot on the line, I knew how um, important my brain health was. And, and I knew that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen after, after this. So I have to be smart about, about playing. Um, yeah, and it seems to be a bit more kind of talk nowadays about concussion and the heading rule that's come in for the younger kids. So obviously that's something you agree with that we're, we're all a bit more conscious of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really great the attention that's on it and there's, being so much research pushed into this subject now that um, that has never been there before. And, you know, players are being more conscious, coaches are being more conscious, parents are being more conscious. And um, I think it's really important to, to be a good teammate, you know, and say, look, you know, this might be the end of the game um, and you want to push through, but you're, you know, you're not looking good right now and we need to get you off the field. Like, I think that's the hardest thing as a player. You just want to finish and get through the end of the game. But that's really ultimately what kind of led to um, me sitting out for three and a half years. And in the end, ending my career was, was uh, the post-concussive lasting symptoms. So you need strong kind of uh, coaches and, and maybe family members and players around you to, to make you aware that maybe it's not okay. Because obviously we know as competitive people, we just want to kind of keep playing on through these things, but it's not the sensible right. thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've always toughed out injuries. And I think to this day, I would tough out an injury if it was my, if it was my wrist or something like that, you know, or my leg, yeah. if it was, you know, a bad, a bad knock. Um, but when it's your head, your brain, you, you don't, you know, it's an invisible injury. So that's why, you know, there's no, nothing there saying that's bleeding or there's a scrape or there's a bruise, but what's going on in your head is so much more important than really like what's going on on the outside, because those things that, you know, those, those can be healed and those can be, um, those can be seen. So it's like, you know, we have to stop playing because she needs stitches or, you know, she sprained her knee or short ACL, you know, this is something where if we did have something to say, she has a concussion, we would take it more seriously. But right now we don't, hopefully we'll get there one day, but right now we, we don't have those tools. Absolutely. So kind of getting back into actual, the good times when you were able to play and um, I've I've seen footage of you playing number 10, a a very lively player, quality on the ball with great vision. Um, 
Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so you obviously went and as we were talking about earlier, Sky Blue and Houston and Sweden. Did you find that kind of professional level massive step up from college or were there similarities in the standard? Did you say there's differences in college and professional? I'm sorry. Yeah, I just just lost yeah, in terms of the standard from the college level to the professional, what was the gap? Was it similar yeah. or was it a much higher, higher level? You know what? It was a much faster game at the professional level. And in college, in Division One ACC college, you're going you're gonna to face really big, strong, fast curls. Um, I think but the difference is the athleticism. I think the NWSL, the, the league in America, is the strongest, fastest, most, most athletic league in the world. You're going to find more technical leagues like in Japan. Um, you're going to find, or in France, you're going to find maybe a different style of play where maybe it's not 100 miles per hour at all times, but in the NWSL, it feels like you're running, especially at number 10 in the midfield. It just feels like you are not stopping the entire game. And that's really, that's really the biggest difference for me was I noticed that, you know, you have to have something that sets you apart as a player um, that you can say that you can always rely on because, you know, if you're just good at things and you're good at everything, it, you're not going to stand out. So, you know, make that strength really, really, really build that build up that one strength that you have or those couple things that you're really good at um, because it's a really tough, tough league. Uh, but you're playing best, against the best players in the world and um, it's really anybody's game, just like in the college game, I think, in the ACC. Like we face teams that I faced incredible players that I played with against professionally, like uh, Crystal Dunn, um, Tobin Heath. Um, let's see, I didn't ever play Alex Morgan. We played Kelly, Kelly O'Hara, Kristen Press. Um, wow, some like incredible that. big names. Yeah, I mean, that just, you know, their level is just next, next level. So um, I think, you know, at the highest level, at the professional level, you're, you're competing and you're playing every single Every single game is tough, um, and you know, depending on what league you're in in college, you know, it's it could be the same thing. Like I played in the ACC, and every single game I played in, it was like anybody's match, especially yeah. in in conference. Now, when you moved over to Sweden to Hammerby, um, again, what was the difference there in standard? I've talked to a few other people on the show that have played in America and um, abroad in Europe, and maybe there was one or two little things that were different. What was different for you when you went abroad? Um, I would say there's definitely it's a different style of play. Um, you know, it's not as it's not as athletic. Um, so that's something that kind of set me apart there was I was one of the more athletic ones. Uh, but players are definitely technical and they're smart and they they slow the game down. Um, so it's you know, it's it's creative. It's you see players taking other players on and um, it's not necessarily the fastest player that's going to make the team. But you know, the more technical player that might, you know, have a good bend on the ball that can place the ball in the corner of the net. So uh, I would say creativity is what, you know, what I found in Sweden. But um, I think what I what helped me there was my athleticism um, and I, I kind of pushing the team kind of in practice, just push, pushing the team to kind of raise the standard um, and play faster. That's something that, you know, in America, it's 100% all the time. Every single practice, you're getting better, and you have players around you that are pushing you. Um, and that's somewhere that I think America, you know, stands out for. Um, and players here, it's just kind of the culture of players here from, you know, from when we're younger all the way up to the top. Um, so I would say that's, that's the biggest difference. 
And then um, you were involved with the U20 US national team at one point, I believe. That must have been yeah. something amazing to, to be involved in as being an American. Yeah. So I never actually played on the um, team, I, but I went to some camps and I was you know, able to see the talent there and play with some incredible players like Sam Mewis and Sydney LaRue, Christy Mewis. Um, there were, you know, Crystal Dunn. There were some incredible players around me um, that just, again, it's about like pushing each other in practice and uh, just being perfect, really. Just everything they did was, was I'm going to do this as good as I can do it. You know, and then you see the players that that aren't up to standard or aren't up to par just get weeded out so quickly. Um, so it was good to be a part of it. I guess I was one of those players <laughs> that got weeded out, but it was good to be a part of it while while I uh, while, while I was healthy and you know could experience. I mean, even in my career. even to get to a national camp is amazing because I always say there's such a massive pool of players in America because it's such a big country. So to even get to the camp level is is amazing. And then there's such fine lines, isn't there, between getting in the team and not getting the team at that high-end level. There's, there's fine yeah, margins, I absolutely. believe. Absolutely. Um, and I think now even harder just with the technology that they have to, um, to you know, rate players or to track players on their sleep, on their fitness levels, on their accuracy, you know, on the field, their possession. Like, every player is tracked every game and according to that they they choose their teams and they weed players out but yeah I mean I had a great freshman year uh at university um and I was like a second team all ace all American ACC um you know they have awards for everything so I think that's what it was called (laughs) um all American second team or all American ACC something like that so um yeah I mean I you know, you have to, you have to prove yourself just like now um, at the NWSL, like the NWSL and, and college really. I mean, when you have phenoms like uh, Mallory Pugh, you know, they find players like that. Um, But the NWSL is really the pool for national team players. So it's really awesome. I mean, being able to see new players go into camp and really shine like Zerboni, um, and some other players that, that got their chance because they did so well, either in the league in Australia or in the league in the U.S. So it's an exciting time for women's soccer. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's such a high standard watch. as well. Fun to watch. Yeah, fun to watch all these teams around the world just kind of gaining the attention from um, all the fans, you know, the men's side of the game, supporting the women's side of the game. And I know Spain and France, they've had like incredible showings the past few the past few weeks in their championship games, like 43,000, 63,000 fans. So if we can get that going and if we can raise that standard and put women up on a pedestal, just like the men are, you know, just give it, give it the attention that the men get. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really exciting. I mean, that's, that's the next step in the game, I think, is putting the women on TV, giving them a channel in America, giving them like a TV station um, on ESPN to, you know, run games twice a week, whatever it is it's it's definitely an exciting time and the game is growing so it's fun to have been a part of it um and still be involved you know still be involved and one day i'll probably get back into coaching um but but yeah i'd agree with you there i mean the women we've talked about this before with uh some other people on the show the women's game is is so good and there's such talent but they don't get 
paid anywhere near as much as the men. There's not as much marketing dollars, and it's 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 a, a real shame. And maybe even you could use the word it's a disgrace that they they aren't on that level financially and exposure wise. It has been changing a bit though lately, correct? Yeah, it definitely has been changing. I think around the world it has been changing, and that's kind of you know it's forcing other leagues to look around and say all right we need to do something about this i know like a lot of different companies have reached out to the woman because of their voices you know before the world cup about equal pay and i know some um some companies like adidas um their sponsored athletes are going to get paid like the same bonus as the men's uh world's cup bonuses would have been you know if they win the world's cup so pretty cool stuff is happening and i know secret uh deodorant and uh like lunabar you know, they've come out and um, companies are making a stand and supporting women, I, I think, more than they ever have. So the game is definitely growing. Um, yeah, like I said, it's 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 an exciting time. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is a shame. I mean, I know there's a men's lacrosse team that's – or a men's lacrosse league that's being created and, um, you know, it has a lot of money behind it. But they're – you know, it's going to be their first season and they're going to be – they're going to have a um, – they're going to have TV rights to, I think it's Sports Center. Um, they're going to have a game a week on Sports Center. They're going to have a, you know, their games are going to be on Sports Center. So I don't know what, you know, where that disconnect is. Um, I think the game is definitely growing, but, you know, it's the seventh year, I believe, seventh or eighth year that the NWSL has been, um, been alive. So um, we, we, you know, just are hoping that in the future and they're fighting for it. All the women are fighting for, for it to be, you know, even bigger in the future. Yeah. Hopefully it changes and keeps changing and, and, and changes quicker as well. Yeah, um, and exactly. as I said, there's just some amazing talent. So the next yeah. topic is, is a tough one to talk about and you're extremely brave to uh, want to talk about it. And I think it'll help a lot of people, but you did yeah. go through something very horrific when you were, I think a 12 or 13 year old travel soccer player in America with a coach. Yeah. And obviously talk as little or as much about this, um, but, but, but explain to our viewers kind of what happened and, and um, you know, it, it's a horrific topic, but we appreciate you talking about it. Yeah. My coach that I really trusted and my family really trusted uh, molested me when I was 13 years old. He um, started training me when I was 10 years old and, you know, 11 years old, 12 years old, all the way up to um, 13 years old. And he, he really kind of took a, um, an interest in, in me as a player because I worked really hard. Um, I came from the Maroons and that's where he saw me play. They kind of recruited me. It was a better team in the area. Uh, the Americans, they're from Allendale. And he was the trainer of the team. And um, basically, he, you know, kind of took me under his wing. And he he offered me training, he kind of got close to my family, and really just crept in. And if you look at all the signs of like grooming children, um, from everything from, you know, telling them how good they are to, you know, how, uh, what to wear, what to dress like, not to like boys um kind of everything everything from that to kind of taking control of areas of my life that he had nothing to do with and working his way into my family gaining the trust of my family um which I think is a very hard you know thing to go through as a family but a very um you can be easy prey for people when you have kids in sports and and they're they're 
really good, you know, and they take, um, they take the sport really seriously because as a parent, you want to do anything to help your child because they love the sport. So, um, it's, it's really hard for parents. I know for my parents went through a horrific time with it and my whole entire family obviously did. Um, and I did, and I, I kind of pushed it away. You know, he took advantage of me actually with my family, um, in the car and it had a huge impact on my life. Um, after it happened, there was like a a huge court date. Um, I saw him two years later and he ended up going to jail for seven years. Um, and a couple other people came out saying that he did the same thing to them or, um, or molested them in other ways. And I'm sure there were others out there. Um, but I had to face him again years later. And then, I kind of pushed it away as if nothing, you know, I wasn't affected by it as if it didn't happen. Um, there were a lot of things that I went through like internally. And then I think when I stopped playing soccer, it kind of all came out. And that's why this piece was so important to me because um, I went through a lot when I lost the game. And I think a lot of it came out then because I relied so much on soccer to get me through, um, get me through those hard times. Like he's not going to stop me from, from pursuing my dreams, even though he, you know, he was my trainer. It's not him. He wasn't the one who put in all the work. Yeah, he trained me, but I got to this point and it really, it was a big driving force for me um, in a lot of ways in my life to just be, you know, be better. And as crazy as that sounds, um, it really did. It, it, it drove me, I think, and really put, gave me an armor um, to, to prove myself to myself and to prove to other people that nobody could really take that away from me. Yeah, I, I read the article last night. It was such a powerful piece. And, and I'll, um, in my intro to the show, I'll tell people how to get that article and would encourage them to read it. I mean, I suppose it, it's so important for, you know, I feel people like you to talk about it when, when you're obviously ready to talk about it. Because this, this could and probably is going on currently with other young uh, kids in sport and and mm. grooming obviously is a real thing and it's it's important for maybe parents and kids to maybe understand what grooming is and maybe to see the signs of it would I be right in saying that yeah I mean absolutely like I'm you know I'm 28 years old and it's it's still something that's hard for me to talk about the writing was the first piece you know that I put out there nobody knew this about me and I kind of felt like I had this big secret that I was living with and I just felt like I wasn't living my true self and my whole life I've been like be honest be true, be yourself. And I just felt like I was kind of living a lie. And before, you know, before I put that out and then putting that out kind of like took a weight off my shoulders and it was so, you know, hard for my, for me and my family was like, you know, if, if this is what you need to do, you need to do this for yourself. They 1000% um, support me in everything that I do. And that's, I'm just so grateful to have, you know, that support system, but not everybody does have that support system. And, you know, a lot of people go through, um, go through this and they really don't have people to talk to, um, which I can't even imagine because it's, it's, it's a lot to go through on your own. So, um, you know, if you can gain the courage to talk to somebody, to talk to anybody, um, about it, to just open your mouth, it really, really lifts the weight off. Um, I mean, you can even send them to my Instagram if you want, they can DM me if they need to talk to somebody, um, you know, I'm not a professional, but I, you know, if, if you need that one person to just open your mouth to or just type it out, that's, that's something that I can you know, be there for. 
um, because I want to talk more about it and I want to be there for people. Uh, That's, you know, initially why I why I did start writing about it and, and put it out there. Yeah, well, I think you're amazingly brave to talk about it and, and, and such a great role model. And I think all kind of youth organizations around the world in any sport, I think uh, we have an obligation to to educate ourselves on these kind of things and, and how we can prevent them. And I know as some soccer organizations are taking steps towards that. But, um, yeah, we really appreciate you talking about that, Kelly. So yeah. obviously moving on to something a, a bit a bit brighter and more yeah. current um you're, you're working for an amazing company at the moment Rezzel, which is a virtual reality training system and um it's real cutting edge stuff could you tell our listeners a tiny bit about kind of what uh, that training system is and, and and how it's going yeah sure um so it's a cognitive training tool players get into the system it's virtual reality um, there's different capabilities within the system. One of them is match analysis. So you can actually go back and relive a game that you had played or get into the headset and, and watch a professional team play. So you can put yourself in the, in the head of Mbappe, for example, uh, and, and see, you know, his positioning around the field as a forward. Um, there's other capabilities uh, within the rehabilitation aspect of it um players out with an acl injury say they want to get back into the you know onto the pitch but um and just in the right mindset of of what it feels like to be on the pitch and they can go through drills because the system you know you're going through drills uh but you're not actually touching a ball so you know it's kind of hard to explain without um seeing it but basically you're in the system there's trackers on your shin guards and your feet that pick up thousands of data points and the sensors on it are very very sensitive and they're actually extremely accurate um it's really really fun you, you got to try it out sometime if you if you haven't or if you want to look into it go to Brazil Brazil um and we can we can put you through a session you can book a session uh with us but you go through basically a training session five different drills that train you on your um Composure on the ball, your accuracy, your reaction time, and your technical ability, and kind of just your general awareness of the field, and forces players to to kind of see the game better. And you know, I've you know I've played you know for years. I'm 20, like I said, 28 years old now. I've played the game for a long time, so I've been around for a while. Never seen anything like it, and also never experienced anything like it. Also, been through the system and got on the fields after um, not playing for a while, and felt like I was. I was sharp. Um, you know, I think that says something in itself. So um, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, you know, exciting traveling around and, and talking to different um, club and professional teams and trying to get it into different facilities. But um, I think before you know it, we're going to see this all over the place. Fantastic training system. And um, obviously the, the highest level clubs in the world are starting to use it. And there's also, you know, platforms for, for the, the younger generation and the youth clubs. And it, it looks like it's really going to explode over here in America, North and South America. Um, it, it's really, really good. And I know you do great work in there. So, Kelly, to finish up, let's let's get your predictions for the upcoming Women's World Cup. Oh, no. um, who do you think... We, we, we won't hold you to it, but who do you think is going to win? Is it going to be America? Japan are strong, I think. Uh, England are very good. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. I mean, they've they've said it. It's really exciting. I think there's so much hype around it. It's, it's exciting to watch everything and, um, you know, to watch some of the girls that I've played with and played against be out on the fields. Um, it's between America and France and England. 
Um, I think it's going to be really close. I think. So stop, stop sitting on the fence and uh, <laughs> give us a prediction. Are you going to make me do this? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I've got to go for America. I've got to go for America. Yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, they're obviously quality. They're Kelly, quality. We, we really appreciate yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you you've an amazing story. You're you're a massive role model for the next generation. And um, we'll talk to you soon, Kelly. Thanks Thank so you. Much, Kev. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Okay, bye. The hairdryer treatment podcast is proudly sponsored by Rezel. Rezzle is the market-leading, academically validated VR training and cognitive development tool for elite football and is already installed at world-leading clubs. Rezzle.com